said. Give him a big hallelujah. Amen. So how many of you here today be honest enough to say, you know what, I need breakthrough in my life? Amen? So how long have you been waiting for that breakthrough? Some of you, it's just begun. For some of you, it's been a few months, few years, been a long time. But um, I, I'm just here to say that as we open up God's Word and we, we study together, uh, that God desires more than anything to give you breakthrough. And He desires for you to be able to stand in front of your enemy who is Satan and to know that you are at that table with Jesus, that he has prepared for you in the presence of your enemies, Satan and his minions, and that he wants to anoint your head with oil, he wants your cup to overflow, he wants you to receive the blessing that God has for you that comes as a result of breakthrough. So I'm just here to say that wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, whatever breakthrough you need or you're looking for, God is more than ready and desires to deliver that to you. But it's a process, and sometimes when we don't understand the process, we just get frustrated. I know there have been many times in my life I've felt stuck in my walk with God, stuck financially or stuck in some other way. It's like, you know, I, it's like I'm, I'm trying to work at it, and I've got this, this emotional issue, and I'm, I'm just stuck, and I'm trying to, you know, wade my way through this and, and find victory on, on the other side of that. And you just feel stuck. And one of the amazing things is sometimes God, as God speaks to us, he speaks to us through other people. And it might be that you come across a book or you come across a podcast or maybe you're somewhere and somebody shares their testimony. And guess what? They're stuck in the exact same area that you're stuck, but they've had breakthrough and they share about how they have experienced their personal breakthrough. Now, one of the mistakes we make is this, uh, is that we take whatever process they went through or whatever they discovered, um, whatever method uh, that God used in their life, and we try to emulate that. We try to copy that, hoping that, the, that we will receive and experience the same breakthrough they received and experienced, and we put those methods into practice only to find out it didn't work for us. I'm not saying you didn't learn something. I didn't say you weren't inspired. I'm not saying that sometimes people uh, who have gone through that valley before you give you methods or um, principles from God's Word that will help you in your journey through the valley that leads to ultimate breakthrough. I'm just saying that sometimes we think that what God has done for this person in this way, he's going to do it exactly the same way in our life, and we try that, and it doesn't work, and then what do we say to ourselves? Well, what's wrong with me? Does not God love me? Has, have, have I done something wrong? Have I, am I not doing this right? And we get really frustrated. And we get angry with God, and we're like, how come you did it for them? And I'm following the exact same method, and it's not working for me. It's good to listen to podcasts. It's good to read books. It's good to hear testimonies. Um, I mean, Greg's got a testimony he can share about his valley journey, and we, we need to get him up here to do that. So many of you have not heard it. He and Heather both have been through some very deep, dark valleys in their own lives in which, you know, God has, has forged their faith and their character and and um, so, you know, it's, it's just, I just don't want you to say, well, um, what worked, what God did for you, Greg, is exactly what God's going to do for me in the exact same way, because that's just not simply true. I'm going to lay down the foundational principles for you through the course of this series. If you will put the principles into play, then yes, God will bring you breakthrough, but how he did it for somebody else may not be exactly how he'll do it for you, but he will do it if you will follow these principles that we're going to discover together. Again, um, I was diagnosed with cancer eight months ago. I'm diagnosed, and here I stand before you today cured of cancer, but there was a very long, deep, dark valley in between those two mountaintops. Right? And so what God taught me in that valley, it was a, it's what I call the principle of brokenness. You'll find this all through Scripture, 
that those whom God uses in his kingdom in significant ways often have to go through this valley of brokenness in order for God to prepare you for that which he has in front of you. And so one of the things I, I, I shared with you early on was one of the things I said I would not do is I would not stop worshiping and praising the Lord no matter what happened to me. And the second thing is, if God gives me a second chance, I'm going to say, you know what, Lord, if, if you're giving me a second chance here, I want my life to be more fruitful in whatever length of time I have left on planet Earth than it has been over the last 64 years. Amen. So God is still working on me, just like he's always working on you. That process of brokenness and breakthrough and blessing is always going on in our lives, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in significant ways, but it's always the process that God is using to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ so that we develop Christ-likeness. And when we develop Christ-likeness, the more we are like Jesus, the more kingdom impact we have here on earth while we are living among those around us. And so in that valley, it can be a time you can feel isolated, you can feel restless, you can feel anxiety, you can feel fear. There are a thousand different feelings you're going to be feeling in that process of brokenness. But here's the problem is we have a tendency when we are in these valleys to want to run. We don't want to stick around and persevere long enough for God to do the work he has set out to do. We just want to run. This is why James tells us in chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter these various trials. Because listen, God's about to produce something in you, but in order for him to produce it, you've got to persevere, which means you've got to remain under the load. You've got to stay in the valley. You've got to stay behind the shepherd. Just keep your eyes on him, keep following him, and in spite of all your fears and your anxiety and your worries and your what-ifs and what if this doesn't happen and what if that happens, in spite of all that, you keep your eyes riveted on your shepherd, your ear attuned to his voice, and you persevere because he will lead you out onto the other side. But what we want to do is we want to turn away from the shepherd and we want to run. And so we run from relationships and we run from churches and we run from jobs and we run from a lot of things because God is taking us through this valley of brokenness and we don't like it. Nobody likes it. I've never heard one person stand up and give testimony and say, you know what? I'm just so grateful that God took me through that valley of brokenness. Woo! I didn't like it. Still don't like it. How are you going to like something like cancer? There's nothing to like, but I want you to know it not, it's not God doing something against me. It's God taking something that is horrendous and using it to change me. And there are a lot of things I've learned that I'll share with you through the course of these messages that I probably would not have learned any other way. And so kingdom influence is the byproduct of men and women who allow God to do a deeper work in their lives. Because let's face it, the Christian life can become dull, boring, routine, um, as much like marriage. You've been married for a long time, you can get stuck in a rut, and it just becomes dull and boring and routine. It's like the same thing week in and week out, and until all of a sudden, as a couple, you find yourself in a valley and maybe you have a wayward child, maybe it's an illness, it could be a financial setback, it could be a lot of different things. And then all of a sudden, you know what you discover? How strong that marriage really is. Because what comes to the surface all of a sudden are, you know, all of our idiosyncrasies and, and things that we've just been shoving under the carpet that have never been dealt with. And now all of a sudden those things come to the surface, which is why oftentimes when couples go through a valley, let's say they have a child who gets, you know, very sick and ultimately dies, and oftentimes those marriages don't survive because uh, the marriage, although it appeared to be in depth, uh, really wasn't deep enough to handle the crisis that, that faced them, and that is a horrendous crisis for any parent to, to face 
is the loss of a child. I, I witnessed that with my mother. I've witnessed it with several of you here in this congregation. It, it, is, it is something you just have a horror. It's a horrible thing to try to come back from. And there is something that, that is missing inside of you that is just never replaced. Although God can bring healing, there is still just a void that is inside of you that you'll carry the rest of your life. And so when we come against our enemy and we are in the midst of this valley, this is when Satan comes through the back door of your life. And he begins to what? He wants to devour. So John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your, uh, your walk with God. He, there are a lot of things that Satan wants to do in your life. And this is why Peter says he's like a roaring lion, man. He's seeking to devour you. And one of the ways he devours you is when you are in that valley of brokenness. I just want you to know your enemy becomes ferocious when you're in that valley. Did I mention the word isolation? Isn't it true that when you're in that valley, even though people are praying for you, even though people are sending you texts of encouragement, even though people are sending you verses of scripture, it is still you and God at the end of the day. You and God walking through that valley together. No one can do it for you. You have to do this on your own with the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's that sense of isolation. And we know from shepherd to sheep that sheep have a tendency to wander. They have no defense mechanism against their predators. And if they wander too far from the shepherd, what happens is they become devoured by their enemy. And so it is essential that the sheep learn to hear and to know the voice of the shepherd who calls them back into safety, or if necessary, the shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one in order to bring you back into the fold. But it's still lonely, it's still isolated, and it's a journey, and Satan is seeking to devour you in the midst of that journey. And so I want us to learn together how we, how we can fight against that. The cry of our heart is, Lord, how do we get this back? You know, maybe at one time your love for God's word was ferocious and your love to be in God's house was enthusiastic and you were eager to spread the gospel and sometimes that just all kinds of just becomes routine and you just kind of lose your love for the Lord like when Jesus addressed the church at Ephesus and said, you know, you got a lot of good things going on, but man, you've lost your love for me and you need to get it back because if you don't, I'm going to, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to take away your witness. And sometimes that's where we are, we are just praying and we are seeking. Breakthrough, and this is on your outline, breakthrough is all about God getting back for you what Satan has stolen. That's what we're going to learn. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He is a ferocious lion who, who is hungry for you. And it's oftentimes in the valley of brokenness that things go haywire in our Christian walk and our Christian life. And so the enemy steals some things from you, and you've been trying to get it back for a long, long time, and you've tried multiple different ways only to be frustrated. Because here's our normal pattern, right? So our normal pattern is something like, um, well... I feel like I'm stuck in this area, or I feel like I need breakthrough in this area, and I do something wrong, and, and uh, the decision is, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've committed this sin, I'm struggling with this uh, area of my life that is overtaking me, and, and I, I'm yielding to the temptation over and over again, and you're promising God all the time, Lord, I'm going to get this right, I'm going to get it straightened out, and so your enemy is using this stronghold against you 
to trip you up and to have you fall. And so you make the decision, uh, okay, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm confessing this sin to you. And I promise you I'm not, not ever going to do it again. And you, I'm repenting of that sin and I'm turning away from it. And you make some adjustments in your life to make sure it never happens again. And then you get on this performance track as to how you're never going to allow this particular thing to overtake you and overcome you again, only to find out it does, and now you're right back to where you started, and you're confessing before God, and I, God, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I, I slipped up, I'll never let it happen again, I'm, I'm repenting of this again, and, and I'm, I'm going to make this adjustment in my life, and I'm going to pull this out of my life, and you make the adjustments, and you start walking in that performance trap, only to find out you're right back in the same cycle over and over and over again, and after time, when you've been on that merry-go-round for so long, what do you do? You just give up. And you think to your mind, in your mind, I'll never, I'll never experience breakthrough in this area of my life until I get to heaven. That's a lie of the devil. Absolute lie. That does not have to be truthful in your life. It just doesn't. So I want to give you something that works a little better than just making a decision confess my sin, repent of it, adjust, perform, only to do it all over again. All right, so let's look in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, a little example of David. It helps us put this together. So David, you'll recall, has, had been uh, anointed as king over Israel years before he ever took the throne. You know, Saul was still king during that time, and it wasn't until after Saul's death that, Jesus, that uh, David arose to his rightful place as king over Israel. And so the Philistines was a formidable enemy against, uh, of Israel. And so Saul found himself in battle with the Philistines, and he was about to be captured. And he told his, his uh, armor bearer, hey, just take your sword and ram it through me. I'm not going to let them take me off into captivity and do all kinds of horrible things that they would... Philistines would do to their captives, and so the armor bearer said, no way, I'm not doing it, and so Saul pulled out his own sword and fell on it, and the armor bearer did the same thing, and so Saul is dead, and now David takes his rightful place as king over Israel, but they still have the problem with this enemy that's constantly waging war against them, known as the Philistines, and so David um, finds himself He's, brought, he's bringing the, trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Well, they get stalled out, and they, they stash the Ark at an individual's house. And then David catches wind that the Philistines are coming after he and his army. So here's where we pick up in verse 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet him, meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. Now, so David inquired of God, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord answered him, Go, I will hand them over to you. So David and his men went up to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, As waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David inquired of God again, and God answered him, Do not go straight up, but circle around them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. Now, I love this story uh, about David. And again, he is, this is a time of transition. And um, this is a time that God is still in the process of forming and fashioning David's heart, his character, his courage, uh, his willingness to listen to God. And so David learned a very powerful truth here. 
God recovers stolen property, and he can recover what the enemy has stolen from you. And so the Philistines, uh, you know, they had, they had stolen the ark a long time ago. And so um, in verse 8 of this chapter, it says that the enemy hears that something good has happened, right? David is now king over Israel. This is an incredible thing for David's life. I mean, he's waited years for this. He's prepared all of his life for this. And now something great and wonderful has happened to him. And what's the first thing the enemy does? He tries to come and take it away, to steal it away. And so God is going to make sure that David, has re- what he has received, is, it remains. And so David hears this, and what's the first thing David does? He inquires of the Lord. He inquires of God. He wants to know what God has to say about this. He talks with him in the midst of his need for a breakthrough. And Dave, listen, the Philistines had been enemies against Israel for a long, long time. And quite frankly, David was kind of fed up with it. And he, he was kind of like ready to write them off. But here they come once again. And so he asks to hear the Lord's voice in a very specific manner. And this is when it says he inquired of the Lord. He didn't want God to say to him in some broad perspective, hey, David, uh, this is what's going to happen. He needed a specific message from God that spoke to his very specific need, a breakthrough. And when you are in the valley of brokenness, God has you there because he's doing something very specific. It's not like God's trying to tackle all your problems all at one time. It's not like God's trying to fix you and make you Christ-like all in one fell swoop. It doesn't work that way. This is a lifelong process, right? Growing in relationship to Christ and growing like him. And so if you have a specific thing that God's doing in your life, then you need a specific message from God as to what that is and how you can experience breakthrough and blessedness as a result of going through this particular valley. And so David asks specifically, and God responds very specifically. The Lord answered him, go, I'm going to hand them over to you. Well, that's a pretty incredible promise, right? God says he's handing over the Philistines, let's go. Do you think you would kind of walk out on the battlefield with your chin kind of a little higher and a little more faith in your step? When you know that God says, get out on the battlefield, I'm handing him over to you. You bet you would. I mean, would not David's soldiers be more willing to follow him if they knew that he had a specific word from God confronting the enemy in front of them, and they knew that God was going to give them victory? I would be a little more uh, less faithful and a little more um, confident following David into that battle then if David had come back and said, well, you know, I think God said, or, or God, you know, given us a, I, I think he's going to give us victory here, right? That's not, he had a promise he anchored on. Put that in your mind because it's going to be very important here in a minute. And so when we, when we wonder how to act or what to do or where to turn or decision we need to make, when we are in our valley of brokenness and we're looking for breakthrough, listen, God wants to start leading you to that specific promise because your faith is going to be built upon the promise that God gives to you specifically about that area of breakthrough that you need. You want to build your faith on God's promises, not on your feelings, not on what your friends tell you, not the... uh, you know, floating it out on Facebook and get everybody's opinion about it. I'd rather have a specific word of God. So faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of Christ. That word, word, means rhema, not logos, the Bible. We have the word of God, the Bible as a whole. But this time, I need not the, just the whole Bible. I need a specific word from God. I need a heavenly download 
And so that's what we're looking for as we're going through this valley of brokenness on our way to breakthrough. Because faith is never to be flung out into a void. Faith is standing upon God's words regardless of your feelings and regardless of what your enemy, Satan, might be telling you in your mind. So it might be that your breakthrough is you need God to restore your marriage. Well, what's the enemy going to tell you? Well, that's never going to happen. It's too far gone. It, it's just too late. You're never going to change. They're never going to change. Your spouse isn't going to change. And on and on it goes. And you need a specific word from God. Should I stay? Should I keep trying? Should I keep plowing through? What should I do in this situation? There are a lot of things that the word of God gives us specific commands about. But there are also things that we face in our lives that for the which the word doesn't give a specific word, but the voice of God can give you that word that you need in that time, in that valley that keeps you moving forward by faith. Does that make sense? This is yes. This is no. right. And so he says, the Lord answers. They're in the valley of Rephaim, which means giants. And listen. Why is this significant? Because, listen, David is not a wimpy king. This guy has been a combat warrior for years already. He's like Conan the Barbarian. But I can just imagine, picture this scene is like this. Here's all these newbie soldiers. Haven't been under David's command before. But then there's the soldiers who have followed David for many years up to this point, And they know what he's capable of. But what's the first thing he does in front of all of his soldiers when he hears that the Philistines are coming against them? He walks into his personal war room and calls it prayer. That's where he's battling on his knees. Why? Because he wants a word from God. Can you imagine the older soldiers saying to the younger soldiers, hey, listen, David's just gone into the war room. When he comes out from there, he's going to have a word from God. And whatever God says, that's exactly what we're going to do. Because when every time we follow what God tells us to do, it always works out the way it should. Amen. I've made some stupid decisions in my life before. But it never came because I heard a word from God and followed. It was because Greg heard a word from Greg, or Greg heard a word from somebody else, or Greg followed somebody else's method or pattern, which was really not for me, it was for somebody else. How does this relate to us? We will not have breakthrough in our own unless we live lives of, of faith, and we will not have faith unless we hear from God. We're not going to have any breakthrough unless we purposefully and regularly set aside time to hear from God because faith is not a blind leap. Now notice what it also says. The second time the Philistines come against David, um, he went up to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, as the water breaks out, God has broken out against my enemies. So that place is called Baal Perazim. So this is where the idols were stored by the Philistines. And so what David is saying is that God, my God, has destroyed the idols and so uh, David wasn't saying that Baal was the master of breakthrough. David was saying that Baal was broken through. David wanted everyone to know in the site of this pagan temple was the same site where Baal was defeated and done away with. Now here's the application. The place in our lives where the enemy thinks he is the strongest is the exact place where God wants to give you breakthrough. So I'm asking you, do you need breakthrough in your life? And you answered yes. I can almost assure you wherever it is that you need breakthrough, it is the place in your life that the enemy, Satan, believes that he has the strongest hold in your life. That like, man, I can defeat you at a moment's notice. You might feel pretty good about yourself and have a few victories over here, but I'll just keep taking you back to that one place that one place where you keep confessing and repenting and adjusting and performing 
And the cycle just goes over and over and over again. So it doesn't matter how many victories I may have over here. I keep going back to this. And because my enemy keeps defeating me over here, I just don't feel like I'm really in a right relationship with God. And he controls you. He pulls your strings. Defeat, confess, repent, adjust, perform, defeat, confess, repent, adjust, perform. Is there an area of your life that you just can't gain victory? Well, David had a word from God, but he had to fight for it. David, listen, God didn't defeat the Philistines apart from David and his warriors going out on the battlefield, all right? And you're not going to have victory in your life by not going out on the battlefield, right? Even Joshua, when he was leading Israel into the promised land, God said to Joshua, everywhere you step, you're, you're going to have victory. Everywhere you go, everywhere, everywhere your foot steps. So was God giving him victory or did they have to fight for it? It's both. Listen, God wants to give you victory, but you have got to fight for it. It's not just me sit back and let God do it all. It is me getting engaged in the battle alongside of my heavenly father. I mean, have you ever sat on the couch watching TV and thinking to yourself, man, I'm so hungry, but you're just too lazy to go up and get some, go get something? Are you guilty of that? And then your wife comes in and she says, hey, honey, you hungry? You bringing it to me? Yeah, babe, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm starving. I'm starving, right? So she fixes lunch and brings it to you while you're still sitting on, you're still a couch potato and you're sitting there watching whatever it is you're watching. And so sometimes this is what happens to us as believers. We are so hungry for the things of the Lord. But we just want somebody else to bring it to us. We don't have to work for it. We just want somebody to bring it to us. And this can be problematic even in churches. Because if all you do in your life is come on Sundays hoping that I've been preparing all week so I have a meal to give to you so that you can devour that meal but not have to put forth any effort in preparing the meal and you just devouring it, it's probably not going to do you a whole lot of good because you've got to take what you learn. You've got to learn how to fight. You've got to learn how to apply it. You've got to put it into practice. And it's going to be ugly at times. It's going to be hard at times. It's going to be easy at times. It's going to be three steps back at times. But you just have to keep fighting because God is fighting with you and for you. So here are the ingredients or what I call the cycle of breakthrough. There's six words and I'm just going to touch on them very briefly uh, because we're going to unpack these in the messages in the, in the future, um, not all at one time, but different aspects will be interwoven in that message. But this, this cycle of breakthrough is critical. So here's the first one concerning the person. Well, what person? David, it said, was a man after God's own heart. Despite his weaknesses, he walked with God. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Was David perfect? No. David made a lot of mistakes. He was a horrible father, for one thing. Horrible father. And he, you know, he made all kinds of critical errors at times. But what did David do? He inquires of the Lord. What's the first thing he did? He inquired of the Lord. His heart was to move with God. His desire was to move with God. He didn't always get it right. You're not always going to get it right. And when you don't get it right, rather than allowing your enemy to beat you up, you need to respond appropriately to those times in which you don't get it right. And we'll talk about how to do that later. But the voice of God is what David was inquiring of. And the voice comes out of what? Relationship. It doesn't come out of, well, I need to hear from God today concerning this breakthrough in my life. I just think I'll take my Bible and just like the drop and flop method and hope it comes out and I'm going to point my finger here and that's going to be the answer God's giving me. It doesn't work that way. Listen, God is not a God 
of happenstance. God is very specific. If God is doing a specific work in your life, he has a specific word for you. He has a specific promise for you to anchor your faith into so that you can hang in there with him, persevere until you experience your breakthrough. And so this takes what? It takes time. It takes intention on your behalf. You know, we spend a lot of time doing a lot of things during the course of our days. If you were to take a pie and make a pie chart of the hours spent in your day, how much was sleeping, how much was at work, how much was on social media, how much was, I mean, where would God fit in that pie chart? And I'm not I'm not throwing rocks at a glass house. Listen, I would be embarrassed if you saw my pie chart probably. And so, but, but if you're going to learn to hear God's voice, and I'm going to teach you, if you're going to learn to hear God's voice, you have got to spend time with intentionality in order to develop that. Jesus says, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. It is essential that you know God's voice so that when God specifically speaks, you know in your heart and in your mind, God has given you a word and you can bank on that no matter what is going on around you at the time. But you got to have, be passionate about it. If you want to hear God's voice, you got to know him as a person. It takes time. It takes intention. It's got to be a priority. It's got to be a pursuit of your life. It has to be a passion in your life. Number two, here's the purpose. God's general will versus God's specific will. God has a general will. It's called the word of God, right? The Bible. 99.9% of God's will is found right there. It's the Bible. But God also has a specific will for you. God gives us parameters called the Bible and gives us the ability to discern and to make choices within the realm of that parameter. But there are times in which God wants to be very specific with you. That God might be directing you, for example, to a specific job. I mean, God is, opened up, is opening up a spot for you in that company so that you might be the missionary and the shepherd of those you are working with. You do know that's why God's got you in a workplace, right? It's not just to do a job. It's to be a missionary and a shepherd, shepherding the hearts of those who you work with who are outside the kingdom of God. And, it, and listen, you don't shepherd them by walking in and throwing your Bible in their face and saying, we're going to have a Bible study at lunchtime. And you're invited, right? Uh, probably not going to go well. And it's not like you correct them, like uh, they do something. You're like, well, you know, uh, God would be really upset if he knew you were doing this. Right? That's not, that's not the, the method or the approach. For example, my wife works with a young lady. She just started. She's only been here a few weeks. She's 24 years old. And her whole goal in life, her whole goal in life is to find a rich man, marry him, and spend the rest of her life spending his money. Now, that might be an admirable goal in her mind, but that, that opened up doors of opportunity for my wife to speak into her, her life, you know, just asking questions. And so she has lots of opportunities with this young lady, just asking questions or helping her, you know, figure things out. See, this is, this is why you're the missionary, right? You're the shepherd. This is why God's put you there. It's his specific will. Example, my call to ministry was a very specific calling of God. Quit your job, go, in, go into ministry full time. Abraham, leave your homeland, follow me to a land I'm going to show you. To the apostle Paul, was with Saul, road to Damascus. I'm calling you out of this life into a new life with Jesus, and you're going to be a missionary to the Gentiles. So very specific calling. God has very specific calling on your life. But here's, um, here's the problem for many is that the reason we don't experience breakthrough is because we put God in a box, right? Look, look what happened to David. The second time the Philistines came against him and he inquired of the Lord, what did God tell him? Uh, <laughs> I love this. 
It says, verse 13, once more the Philistines raided the valley. David inquired of God again, do not go straight up, circle around them, attack them from in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching on top of the balsam trees, move out in the battle because that means the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Who in the world would ever come up with that plan? Does that sound like a good plan? You know if, how many times you read in Scripture, God comes up with a plan that we scratch our head and go, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what? like, like King Jehoshaphat, what? Send, send the choir in front of the army? Are you nuts, God? Have you ever seen them fight? They don't fight, they run. They sing well, but they run. And, and here's, you know, when you hear this, when you see this, then you know. And so my, my point is simply this. Sometimes we miss what God's trying to say to us because what he says to us seems, at least on the surface level, so ludicrous, so unconventional, so like out of the box but what we have done for most of us as we have put God in our nice little neat box and we, we, we grew up, most of us, in a denomination, whether Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or Nazarene or Charismatic, and we put God in that little box thinking that when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, well, you were such a great Baptist. No, he's not. That's man-made denominations. Christ-likeness is what he's looking for. And so what happens is when God, we keep God in our Baptist box and we think, well, but God can't, you, you can't do it that way. You, you can't tell me, to, no, that, that's not going to work. I'm simply saying, if, it's, <laughs> if God speaks specifically to you and in your mind, you have already set, God, there's only one way you can speak and there's only one thing you can say and there's only one way to say it, you're going to miss it. Listen, God, God wants to speak concerning his very specific will to you. And may, many people make decisions to which the Bible doesn't specifically speak based on, again, common sense, feelings, friends, whatever. Um, God wants to speak, and he wants you to know. Do you know when Paul asked God to remove his thorn in the flesh three times and God said no? Do you know Paul knew why God said no? If you read the verses before that, he says, here's why God's given me this thorn. God told him exactly why, so that I will not become conceited. He gave it to me to humble me, to keep me on planet earth. You know, Paul saw things that nobody else saw, like heaven. And so even in, in that situation, Paul knew this is what God's doing. Promise. Here's the third word, promise is that when God spoke to David, he, he, listen, God gave them the promise, do this, and I'm telling you, you will have victory. God has a word about your breakthrough, and he's put it in the form of a promise. Number four, I think it is, prayer. Prayer, God wants us to petition him for the things that he's already promised. All right, so God's going to, notice the progression here. I'm walking with my father. I'm following Jesus in the valley. I'm scared. I'm isolated. I'm anxious. Uh, I, I, I'm fearful. I mean, all these things are going on inside of you, and you're, you're trying to listen to the voice of, of Jesus. You're trying to follow God, but all these things keep coming at you, and your enemy is you know, hounding your mind and hounding your heart and saying all kinds of horrible things about God and horrible things about you. And, and so, but you're, you're, you're wanting to hear his voice. You want to know what God is doing in the midst of all of this. And you may hear it on the front end. It might be on the back end. It may be in the middle. It may be like God, like putting seed all along the pathway, just giving you enough to take a next step. You know, the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet. And I just have enough to get me to the next step. And so you just keep following the shepherd and you keep listening for his voice and you keep doing and, uh, you know, he just keeps speaking and he, he lays out a word. He gives you a promise. You anchor in on that promise. And listen, I have several promises I anchored in on over the last eight months that God gave me to keep me going and saying, Greg, you know, when I'm laying there crying out, God, I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. I can't go anymore. I can't do this. 
and God gives you something to keep you going that day and the next day, and you, he, he gives you a specific word, and, and you, you land on that promise, and you petition your Heavenly Father, and you anchor in on those things that He has already promised you, and those became, watch this, those became statements of declaration. I wrote every single one of them down. All through that valley, here's my statement of declaration. So now, when I'm in another valley, I've got statements of declaration that are that is pure um, armor and against my enemy who is standing around the table that Jesus has prepared for me in His presence. And then praise. Praise is a sign of expectation. You know, gratitude is something you give God after the fact. Praise is something you give Him before the fact. Remember what I said? I will never stop worshiping or praising the Lord. There are so many examples in Scripture where God asked people to start praising Him for something they had not received yet, but He says it's coming. You just start praising me and worshiping me. It's coming. It's not there yet, but it's coming. It's going to happen. This is what I've said. This is what I've promised. Now, praise me for that. Because there, watch this. That is the releasing of God's supernatural power against which Satan has no defense. He doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't know what to do with you if you're willing to praise God in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your valley, in waiting for your breakthrough, anchoring in on God's promises, listening to his voice and following him no matter what, and praising and worshiping him on the basis of what God says he is going to do but has not happened just yet. And then there is participation. God calls us to walk by faith, not just talk about faith. How do you walk by faith? It's kind of like how I learned to go off the high dive when I was a kid, fifth grade, on the high dive. That's when high dives were really high back in the day. And so I'm at the YMCA, I'm standing out there on the high dive, and I'm like, can't do it until somebody pushed me. <laughs> now, it wasn't a glorious experience going into the water, belly first. But I learned how to go off the high dive. And sometimes God has to push us because faith involves your feet. I can sit in church and sing about God's faithfulness. And I can sit in church week after week and hear the word of God and walk out these doors thinking, oh, I, I'm going to trust God. I'm going I'm to have so much faith with God. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in that deep, dark valley which unveils in front of you the shallowness of your walk. And now all of a sudden, you're required to walk by faith only on the basis of God's promises, only on the basis of God's word. And so what is going to determine whether or not you reach that point of breakthrough is whether or not you continue to walk by faith regardless of what is going on inside of you or what is going on around you. God wants to give you the breakthrough. He wants you to experience the blessing on the other side. But you have to keep walking by faith and never give up. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I'm just uh, flat out excited today because um, there are some folks here this morning and, and in the future weeks are just going to experience some uh, breakthroughs that are absolutely going to blow our doors off. Things that they have struggled with for years, um, things that they've been waiting for for a long, long time and been very frustrated in the process of waiting not knowing what to do next, not knowing how to, to continue down that path and that journey to experiencing breakthrough. And so, Lord, we're, we're asking as a congregation this morning for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. Give us ears with which to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. We are individual people with individual needs and individual valleys. And God, I'm asking for you to grant a specific word for every individual valley in which a person needs a breakthrough. I'm, I'm praying, God, for breakthroughs in addictions, for emotional turmoil, 
God just for um, whether it be relational strongholds or financial or, or God, even the uh, idols that we allow to be erected in our hearts that just pull us away from you very subtly but yet very succinctly. And God, I, I pray that those idols would be brought to the surface, that we would see them, that we would acknowledge them, and God, that we would break those off. Lord, we need a breakthrough in our lives. Because when we experience it, God, we experience a power source that is so real and so alive and so just so incredibly powerful that it just marks us forever. For every person that was broken in Scripture, God, you, you left them with a, a mark that reminded them forever about that process of brokenness you had taken them through. And we remember the mark of Jesus, the scars on his hands and his feet as he was broken and bleeding for the sake of eternity, for all of humanity. That you, Father, gave him that valley to travel through called Mount Calvary. And Jesus bled and he died for the sins of humanity. And he forever carried into heaven the scars on his body to remind us that when we receive our new bodies and we are with him in heaven for all of eternity, that the only reason we are there is because of amazing grace that was displayed through your son, Jesus Christ, that was, that was given to us as a gift if we would receive it. And I pray for anyone here this morning who has never received Jesus, the gift of salvation through Christ, that today, oh God, your Holy Spirit would speak very specifically to their heart and their life right now in this place, that they need Jesus in their heart and their life. They need a, re a relationship with him so that they might spend eternity with you and have their sins forgiven and be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and be given a brand new source of power and a brand new life. God, this is the story that you have left us with to share with the world. God, I pray that it would be heard right here, right now. And for anyone here that needs to receive Christ into their life, that they would open up their heart and ask him to become their Savior and Lord of their life. Give them breakthrough today. Do not allow the enemy to steal from them any longer. That may make they experience victory in that area of their life. Jesus, you said you came to give us life of abundance. And I pray for that abundant life. So we thank you, O oh God, for your word. We thank you, Father, for this time for us as a church family. I pray your blessing upon the, our ladies tonight as they gather in fellowship with one another. And God, may it just be a time of bonding and may it be a time of, of sharing. And uh, God, may there be laughter, may there be crying, may there be just a deepening of their walk and their relationship with you and one another. We ask this and pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand together as we close out in song. If you're here this morning and you, you're wondering about this relationship with Christ, maybe it's new to you. Um, listen, I'll be here at the front. You can come now or you can come after the service. Love to talk to you about that and answer any questions you may have. So listen, let me encourage you to keep coming back um, as we unpack this series. That's just a broad overview this morning. Um, I want God to give you breakthrough. I, I know God can give you breakthrough, and I want you to experience it. And if you have to miss, listen, you can go on Facebook and recover, you know, the, the service there. Go on our website and listen to the message there. Um, make sure you're taking notes. I'm going to just lay it out principle by principle. Put the principles in practice. You'll experience the breakthrough. How God brings you breakthrough might be different than somebody else who's gone through the exact same valley. But nonetheless, God will bring it if you will surrender and open your heart to receiving what it is he desires to give.